0: Kaylin Cowley, <clears throat> Missy Cowley, <throat> and Autumn Vaughn. it's time for worship. Yeah, what's up church family? How you doing out there?
1: Hey, as you're standing to your feet, I know we're right in the middle of the Shelby fall break and there's some people that are enjoying their time away and on vacation, but I'm gonna give you a second. Find somebody you don't know, shake their hands and tell them, I'm glad you didn't go on vacation, that you're here this morning. (laughs)
0: Every dream
1: Everybody, you got hands? We're going to raise them up to the Lord and
2: raise that hallelujah this morning. Amen. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah. Sing. Let's make some noise, he is Jesus. So the enemy knows.
1: Amen. We serve a God that's alive, that's living in us. Amen. Lord, you're welcome into this place in our hearts and our lives.
2: Here is where I lay it down every burden. This is my surrender This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down Every lie and every doubt This is my surrender
1: Him, say whatever you want to, Lord. Whatever it looks like, God, I want you to move.
2: Come on, shake up this ground. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Here is where I lay it down You are all I'm chasing now This is my surrender You sing that one more time, here's where, here's where Here is where I lay it down You are all I'm chasing now This is my surrender This is my this is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. You are all I'm chasing now. This is my surrender. This is my surrender.
1: Amen. You just pray with me real quick. God, thank you for this time, Lord, of being together with your family, with your people. We believe you're going to do something awesome today. God, we feel your presence in this place, God, and you are ministering already to those that need it. The needs that have come, those that are on the mountaintop to God, we just want to worship you and give you praise for all that you've done. And we thank you for the word that will find a place in our spirit today. May it grow, may it take root. That you would be blessed and your kingdom would advance, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone
3: said, Amen. There is, there is a message today that God wants you to hear. I hope that, I feel that every week, but I'm telling you right now, there's a message today that I know at least one person, maybe a whole bunch of persons, needs to know today. I know that because, this is the second hour, you got, because Satan's really screwing with stuff today. That's the only way I can put it, to try to distract and try to throw off. A message that somebody needs to hear today, so I just want to encourage you like to like to dig in, to dig in, to dig in, to stay in, to stay in, to stay in. I mean, it's not going to be that long. Hold it, all right? Just with me, like stay in. don't let any thing be a distraction because that person sitting next to you may be the one that needs to hear it. Here's what I want you to do. here's what I want you to do I want you to I want you to think for a minute about planning a trip, okay. I want you to think about a trip that you have planned so that you're thinking about real stuff that you had to do, okay? And I want you to think about planning a vacation, all right? Now, maybe it's just a weekend getaway, all right? Maybe it's just a weekend getaway, all right? But there's still still some planning involved, right? Or maybe it, maybe it's a week. Maybe it's a week-long trip in the summer or around Christmas or something. It's a week-long trip, and there's more planning to do for that, right? Or maybe you're fortunate enough to get some multiple weeks off, or maybe you're at that, you know, that, that period of life that starts with an R. You know what I'm talking about. I'm dreaming about it. But you know what I'm talking about. And so you've got multiple weeks in a row. And so maybe you're going to plan an extended vacation that's got, maybe I don't know, maybe it's even leaving the country. Because there's some planning to do if you're just going to go to the weekend to a state park, but there's more planning to do if you're going <clears throat> to the beach for a week. But there's more planning to do if you're going to leave the country. You got to you got to figure out where you're going to go. You got to figure out how you're going to get there. You got to figure out where you're going to stay. You got to figure out how much it's going to cost. You got to figure out if your passport's up to date. You got a lot of planning to do for a trip, no matter where it is, no matter how long it is. You got to figure some things out. And the more, the longer you're going to be gone, the more you got to plan. The longer the trip is, the more you. Get a plan there's a true story that's out now about this couple about this couple that has just recently planned 51 consecutive cruises cheaper than a retirement home. you're reading ahead of my stuff dude i mean here here you want this <laughs> Yeah, they figured out the math. It's cheaper than staying in a retirement home. So fifty one cruises. Let's go. I'm on that party wagon. All right, let's go. But no matter what it is, you've got to plan it. You've got to get it together. But what if, what if, what if, what if, what if that road trip is forever? What if that road trip is eternal? What if it's a journey into eternity? This road that we're embarking on this week in this series is called the road to recovery. And we all are on a journey that we call life. Now, I want to start this journey with a couple of challenges, okay? A couple of challenges I want to give you. First of all, this journey has a beginning day. It's called the day you were born. You had absolutely zero to do with that. It has an ending date, the day that you die, and ideally, you have very little, if anything, to do with that, but what about all those days in the middle, especially after you're old enough to start making your own choices along the way? What happens in those years, those years in between those dates, works best if you have a plan. Because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You're, it's not going to work out well. Now, the second thing I want to encourage you is don't check out on this journey just because you heard the word recovery. Because that's really easy to do. I don't need recovery. I don't need recovery. Here, listen to me. Listen to me. You may never have tasted a drop of alcohol in your life. You may not even thought about it. For any number of reasons, you saw other people, somebody in your family, whatever. You didn't. You haven't tasted a drop. I don't need recovery. You may, you may never have taken an illegal narcotic and single one. You haven't even abused the pills the doctor gave you that are legal. You haven't done any of that. We all need recovery. Let's go. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Everybody needs it. Kim and I, she's done more counseling than me. She's convinced of this, all right? She's convinced of this. Every person walking planet Earth needs counseling of some sort to deal with stuff. Every person walking planet Earth needs to go through the 12 steps. And any person that's going, any person you look around and see that looks like, man, I want their life. They get it together, man. I want that. Here's what I'm going to promise you. They have done the 12 steps whether they realize it or not. They may have just worked through it just kind of unconsciously, but that's how they get there. And number three, everybody needs to go on a third world mission trip and we can work on that because there's plenty of those. Those are things that you need to do they will make your life better, they'll make you appreciate things better along the way. But we're all in need for recovery. Here's how I know that. Here's how I know that. You can if you got a Bible with you, you can pick it up and here I'm gonna show you why you all need recovery. Everybody every one of us in here, including me. Here's why we need recovery. You pick up your Bible and you go to page one. I'm not even gonna tell you the name of the book, the chapter, the verse. Doesn't matter. Page one. I just want to show you. Page one. Read page one. All right? It's cool. It's good. God's saying things like, yay, it's very good. By the time you get to the end of page two, everything is screwed up. It is. Because this snake shows up who is Satan, and we're all wrecked. Every one of us on the planet from that moment on until now is in need of recovery from sin. Because here's what I want you to see. Here's what I, you, you may not. You may say, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't have a problem with drugs. I don't have a problem with porn. I don't have a problem with gambling. I don't have a problem with codependency. But every one of us need to be freed from sin because check this out. Here's what we know. Here's what we know. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. <laughs> Okay, I'll just read it to you. We all need freedom from sin. It's the root of all kinds of prisons. See, all those other things that we think about when we think about recovery, they all start here. They all started at the bottom of page two. That's where they all started. All of those things start on the bottom of page two. When sin entered the world, then we have, because before that, there was none of that stuff. There was nothing to be tempted about. There was none of that stuff there, but then, then sin. So we all need to be freed from sin. So please, step into freedom. And that freedom is available only in Jesus Christ. Guys, this this is a great series. The next eight weeks, we're going to talk about this stuff. And this is a great series to invite friends to. And tell them, hey, we're not just talking, we're not talking, yeah, you might mention alcohol and drugs. We're not talking about alcohol and drugs. We're talking about sin. Because that's what we all need to be free from. So let me give you a definition of recovery that works. Check this, check this definition out. The regaining, of our, uh, the regaining of or possibility of regaining something that was lost or taken away. I hate losing things. I hate it. I, 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 got, a, I got a little thing that's on my key ring now to help me find my keys with my phone. The battery runs out on it all the time. I can't even find the batteries now. I hate losing stuff. But you know what I hate more than losing stuff? I hate when I feel like somebody took something from me. That just ticks me off. And the reason that we need recovery is because something was taken away. It's at the bottom of page two. That's when it was taken away. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful group. Praise God for Alcoholics Anonymous. It was started in 1935 by a guy named Bill Wilson and a guy named uh, Dr. Robert Smith. They're known in the AA world as Bill W. And Dr. Bob, I always thought it'd be better if it was Mr. Bill and Dr. Bob. But that's there I digress and go to something else. In, in 1946, though, they established the 12 traditions as a way to help people deal with stuff. And, and, and then they started this practice of remaining anonymous and using only the first name and saying things like, yeah, hi, my name's Dave. I'm an alcoholic. I hate that, by the way. I hate that, by the way. Because here's what, you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you've been free from that, you're no longer an alcoholic. You are, you are a born-again child of God who used to wrestle with alcohol. You are no longer an alcoholic. Quit wearing the label. Now, if you're still out there tying one on on Saturday night, then yes, you are an alcoholic. (laughs) Now I'm really going to tick some people off. You better hold on. You might even want to raise your feet. You might want to get them off the floor and under the chair. All right, because here's the deal too. You may never have been drunk. You may never have driven a car when you were impaired. But if you can't come home from work and go to bed without having a drink, if the shoe fits, wear it. Because you're never going to find freedom because you're always just one more drink away from getting to that next level. But let's get away from that anonymous stuff. Let's get away from that, hi, my name is Dave. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a whatever. Let's just stay with, I'm a child of God who used to wrestle with whatever. And once you know what it is you wrestle with, why don't you just be real about it and quit trying to be so anonymous about it? Because guess what? The people in your world, they already know. We'll come back to that in a minute, all right? (laughs) See... 12-step methods have been adapted to address a, a wide range of things, from alcoholism and substance to dependency and codependency to gambling and crime and food and sex and hoarding and debt and overwork and all those kind of things that all stem out of us trying to fix what we perceive as wrong or missing or has been taken away in our life. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. I thought you were come back. But here, check this out. Check this out. Here's, here's what you need to know. Understand this. Sin... Sin. understand this, is rarely anonymous. Those people in your world, they already know. You don't think your wife knows, guys? She knows. Ladies, you don't think he knows? He knows. You don't think your mama, your daddy, the person you work with, your kids, people down the street, people that you're hanging out with, you don't think somebody knows? They know. Maybe not all of them, but somebody knows. It's not anonymous. And check this out. It is never anonymous to a holy God. He knew before you knew. He knew what you were doing before you knew how much trouble was getting you in. He knew before you sin. He knows. He knows. And and so each group has its own 12-step our version 12 steps that they've adapted in the, in the AA and NA world that started all this step 1 of the 12 steps says we admitted we were powerless over our addiction and compulsive behavior and that our lives were unmanageable D- D- have you ever been driving a car and the brakes went out? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that? That you were in life and something's going and you are careening down a hill and you are doing all of this that you can do and it's just not stopping It's just not stopping. It's out of control. It's unmanageable. Check out what the Apostle Paul said. We're going to look at it now and then we'll come back. to Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 14, okay? Check out what he says. Boom. There we go. Maybe I just need to say it loud. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I had the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. You ever been there? I want to do the right thing. I wanna listen, here's what I here's what I choose to believe. Here's what I choose to believe. I don't think there's a single one of you that your first thought when you woke up this morning was, how can I screw this day up? How can I make so-and-so's life miserable? If you did, come see me after. We need to talk quick. All right? but that's not how we naturally live but we end up there I want to do what is good but I just can't seem to do it I can't get out of my own way at times in the road to recovery written by John Baker the the corresponding principle and a lot of times the principles of road to recovery go right along with the 12 steps a couple places they do two steps in one but here the principle number one goes right along with step one and it is this realize that I'm not God oh if only the whole world would realize that (laughs) realize that I'm not God I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable and here's a corresponding verse that goes to that it's from Jesus very 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 first sermon in Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 look what Jesus said happy are those who know who know not look this is key here it doesn't say happy are those who are spiritually poor it says happy are those who know they are spiritually poor remember remember when we used to actually pay pay bills with that like paper stuff remember that remember that before before plastic and and have you ever been out and gone out in one of those places and you got a really nice meal and and the the waitress came the server came and she gave you that ticket and you opened your wallet and there wasn't enough paper in it you remember that Remember I've been in one of those moments and you're like, at that moment, that that distinct moment when you realize, I can't pay for this. I'm poor. At least in this moment I am because I don't have what it takes to pay for it. But when we know, when we know we're poor, we're spiritually poor, we're broken. We've got to have an answer to that. And in, in our recovery program that we run here at Shelby Christian it's called Community Recovery. And we took all the 12 steps and we just broke them down into either one or two words, either one or two words. Because we feel like we, if you're in recovery, the fewer things you've got to remember, the better. And so it's a one word, one word, one word, one word, one word here is powerless powerless. That's it. Powerless. You know what it's like to be powerless? Some of you guys are feeling powerless at times. You felt it in the last two or three weeks. If you're a bow hunter and you've already been out in the woods hunting and it get, you're hunting in the evening and you're out there and it gets dark and you reach for that headlamp and you push the button and nothing. <coughs> you got the lamp but you forgot to check the battery. Or you reach in your backpack and you pull out the flashlight and nothing because you didn't check the batteries. And you're out in the pitch dark of the woods, and you think you know your way around until you run into a tree, until you trip over a log. A lot of us are going through life running into trees and tripping over logs because we haven't checked to make sure that we had the energy to, f- to fuel the flashlights of our life. Or, or, or maybe, maybe, you run, anybody in here other than me ever run out of gas before? Anybody ever run out of gas? Liars, come on, the rest of you are liars. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> You know how seldomly you run out of gas right in front of a gas station? You know how seldomly that ever happens? You know how seldomly you ever run out of gas on the interstate? Never. Ha- you know where you run out of gas, don't you? You run out of gas somewhere out around Defoe all right, or, or all the way out on the other side of Finchville, or you're out on some little country road, and they're in a gas station in 10 miles. And even if there were, you don't have a gas can anyway. It doesn't matter. And you're powerless. I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen now with all these electric cars. <laughs> out on the interstate, and there's a wreck between Simpsonville and the Snyder, because there's always a wreck between Simpsonville and the Snyder. All right. And they're out there on, you're out there on the interstate in your little electric car and all of a sudden the needle goes. <laughs> now what? Now what? You can call me all you want. I ain't got nothing I can bring you. I not know, battery charge work? I don't know. You're powerless. You're stuck. You're stuck in that situation. Or maybe you feel powerless because a, a school in your community has had four students that have lost a parent in the last month that's our community and the kids feel powerless the surviving parent feels powerless the child's grandparents who are the ones who actually lost their own child but they still love their grandchildren they feel powerless the teachers and administrators and the lunchroom workers and the people driving the bus that love on your kids they feel powerless because they want to help and there's nothing they can do to fix it so what is it you feel powerless about? I want to, to give you a direct quote from a guy named, or a lady named Samantha Stein. Look what she said. Powerlessness is the heart of moral distress. It is the feeling that we have had to or must seriously compromise ourselves or something we hold dear due to external forces seemingly beyond our control. And powerlessness isn't just that like a—it leads to moral distress— It's at the heart of things because when we feel out of control, then we make bad choices along the way. How do you feel like when you know there's something tangible wrong and you can't fix it? Any amateur plumbers out there had that leaking faucet? Drip, drip, drip. And you've gone and bought new washers. You've gone and bought special wrenches. You've got that plumber's tape and you've got it wrapped around so thick they'll never dynamite that thing off. And still when it gets quiet and it gets dark and you're laying in bed, drip, drip, drip. Makes you wanna hurt something. Or the, the car won't start. And you know, you put gas in it and you know, you've checked the oil. And I don't know why. It just won't start. It just, I just put it, I was working just fine because it was working just fine when I pulled it into the garage last night. And now it won't start. What happened in my garage overnight that's causing my car not to start? And you feel powerless, or you're in school. I'm I'm like, I'm really gonna freak some of y'all out, all right? Somehow, get ready. Like, if somebody goes down, like, somebody be ready to help them because there's gonna be some people that are gonna have flashbacks that are gonna be traumatic here in the next two minutes, all right? Jessica, you may be able to help. I'm gonna talk math here for a minute, okay? All right, remember remember when you were in school and and, and they they introduced this thing called algebra? (laughs) Remember that? And some freaky person thought it would be really funny to mess with kids by putting letters and numbers together. Who thought of that? And, and you were the ones that, I, 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 A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I got that. One, two, three, four, I got that. But like, I can't go mingle those things. And so you struggled with that concept. Then the next year, they started trying to convince you that any time two lines intersected perfectly, that created what was known as a right angle, which was, it was 90 degrees. And if you put four of those together, this is where it gets really freaky, that if you put four of those right angles together, you have a circle. Am I right? Because all those things, if you connect those dots there, it's a circle, because 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, it's 360, that's a circle. Some of you are freaking out right now, trying to do the (laughs) math. You're just gonna have to trust me on this one. 360 degrees is a circle. If you don't know that, we got a problem. All right, we got a problem. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, the very next year, you know what? Somebody thought it'd be really fun to do and mess with you. They took those numbers and letters and they put them together with those angles and they called it trigonometry. And you can't even say it much less spell it or do it. And you feel helpless. I'm, I'm never going to figure this out. Or, or maybe you got it's time to produce a certain talk that you got to do and there's a deadline on it. It, it You know, you know come thursday or sunday Let's just say I don't know Maybe it's just me that you got to be ready to give this talk and you don't know what to do because you're looking on your floor And there's all this paper and you can't figure it out Or maybe you're feeling really good about yourself and you went to the gym You went to the gym last night and you're feeling really good about yourself. I got this 280. No problem I don't even need a spotter until the barbell's laying on your chest and there's no one around And you feel powerless you with me? You with me? That's that's what it feels like or somebody dies and you can't get rid of your pain or the pain of someone that you love. The reality is there's some things in life that we just can't fix. No matter how hard we try, we just can't fix them. Hi, my name is Dave. I'm a child of God who really struggles with this. Some of you know the story. The last class I took in my master's program was called Crisis Counseling. I put it off to last for the same reason you put trigonometry off until you were a junior, all right? You know, why would you do it earlier? And I took it, and so I read all the stuff, or Kim read all the stuff and told me about the stuff. And... And... And I went and I took, the, I took the final. And the final was an actual, like, you, you had to actually do counseling. And, and so there was a man or woman who was going to come into the room. And they were going to have a crisis. And you were going to counsel them, crisis counseling. And so it's me and the professor. And then this lady walks in. I had no clue what her crisis was at this moment. I just wanted to get through the day and move on. And so she told me what her crisis was. We talked about it. I, I gave her a list of things that I thought, in my mind, I'm checking off boxes of things I remembered from the class. Check, check, check. And so we finished. She leaves and it's just me and the professor. And she said, all right, here's the deal. You're getting an A in the class because you checked off all the boxes. I could see you doing that in your brain as we're going through this. But you're going to be terrible at this. (laughs) I'm like, thanks? (laughs) And then she said this. She said, because your problem is you're trying to fix everything and there's some things that just can't be fixed. There's some things in life Part of being powerless is understanding that there are some things, no matter how hard we try, we just can't fix them. But we try really hard. There's potentially infinite number of things we try to help us get over feeling powerless. There's certain substances like alcohol and drugs. We get that. There's certain behaviors like overeating and gambling and working out and certain relationships like dating and marriage and parenting and employment that we we try to help. And there's certain things that we end up feeling like guilt and depression and anger and even suicide because we can't deal with feeling powerless you know you know the majority of things that we try to help us from feeling powerless that end up getting us in trouble were quite possibly actually good things at one time created for a good purpose that got misused alcohol has its purposes not a fifth or a 12 pack at a time but it has its purposes narcotics narcotics are wonderful used appropriately used appropriately I can tell you all about that I can also tell you about the first time I took an Oxycontin and I couldn't figure out why in the world in my mind anybody would do that intentionally, and call it recreational. Like it was, it was the worst experience. There were there were bugs all over me. And I called Doc Jones because I just had I just had my shoulder kind of like totally redone, and they said if you don't take this pill, you're going to be in so much pain you won't be able to stand it. So I took the pill, and then I went in pain. But there were bugs all over me, and I called Doc, and I was like, "You got to do something." And so he, I never took another Oxycontin, Praise God. But he prescribe something else that took the pain away without the
2: bugs
3: (laughs) why why but they have their purposes you think about it overeating overeating take away the overeating it's It's, we need to do that otherwise you will die all right but we overeat and, and gambling and even things like working out and we become obsessed with those things. And relationships, they're wonderful. Dating and marriage, and, and they're, they're wonderful. But you know, even the things that, okay, I'm, be patient. I'm going to keep it PG, but we have children's ministry for a purpose. But you realize that sex is good. Okay, a little bit too much, Brett. All right. In fact, it would be in the category of the things that when God said, this is very good, all right? Because he said, go and do this and populate the earth. It's very good. But do you know misused, end of page two, misused, misused, misappropriated, no longer man and woman like God said to do here, this is good, no longer used that way, it messes us up. I'll start the end of page 2, trust me. Trust me. It was good. And then we felt powerless and so we started using it for things that weren't good and misusing it. And, and we feel guilt and depression and anger and all those things. So here we go, Romans chapter 7. Let's wrap this thing up cuz I told you we we're going to get there and here's where here's where the meat is. Romans chapter 7, all right? Check this out. Verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave A slave to sin. A slave to sin. I still hate slavery, and I hate being a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Been there, done that. Instead, I do what I hate. I didn't want to do that. Why did I do that? When was the last time you, don't raise your hand right now, but when was the last time you did something, and as soon as you did it, or as soon as you said it, you just wanted to hit pause and rewind and erase the last 10 seconds of your life. And it was this, because I wanted to do what was right, but I couldn't do it. But if I know what I am, that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law is good. So I am not the only, I'm not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does that. Holy cow. Look what it says next. Verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Now we're getting ready to get into a tongue twister. All right, here we go. You it, but I want to do what is right but I can't I want to do what is good but I don't I don't want to do what is wrong but I do it anyway and if I do what I don't want to do I am not really the one doing wrong it is sin living in me that does it that's a whole lot of do's and don'ts I've discovered this principle in life though that when I want to do what is right I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's a word mine. This power makes me a slave to sin, and still within me, oh, what a miserable person I am! Too many of us are feeling that, but this guy felt it because this guy was this guy went from being the chief persecutor of Christians to the leading preacher to Christians but he still had that baggage from the past. He still had the baggage that went all the way back to his teenage years when he just happened to be in the wrong place at the right time and these men decide that this guy named Stephen, they don't like him because he's talking about Jesus in a way they don't want. And so they're gonna stone him to death and they take their coats off and they hand him this young teenage kid and he say, here, hold our coats. And he watches them. And it takes him down a dark, dark path. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And that leaves us kind of just at an ugly point. And I know we'd like to have the answer, but that's step two. So you've got to come back next week. Because <laughs> really, a couple reasons. The biggest of which is, it's good to feel powerless for a while. Because until the pain of staying the same gets greater than the pain of changing, why would you want to change? And so you've got to get to the point of feeling like this isn't good. This isn't a good place. So what do you do when you feel powerless? Ironically, it's the feeling of powerlessness that many times leads us to our hurts, habits, and hangups, and addictions, and our mindsets. Because we have to develop some kind of coping mechanism that is most often harmful or becomes overpowering. In Romans 7, right before what we just read, in Romans 7, starting in verse 12, midway through verse 12, it says, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good, but how can it be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. End of page two, it's awful. It messed everything up. It used God's good commands for its own evil purposes. That which was created good was turned evil by an evil one, Jesus thief. Jesus said it this way about him in John chapter 10 and verse 10. 10, Jesus said, there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't believe he started trying to do that to you the day you were born. I believe he started doing that to you the day you were conceived. Before you ever took your first crawl, your first breath on planet earth, there's a thief that was trying to mess you up. But then Jesus said this, but take heart because I came to give you life. And not just any life. I came to give you the best life. Life abundant. And, and so Paul moves from powerlessness to power in chapter 8. Don't worry, next week we're going to come back. We're going to figure out step 2 where we stopped off there, but I'm going to to fast forward because I want you to see how good it is. Look at chapter 8. Look at the next chapter. So now there is, this is for people who have accepted that they are powerless. They have turned over. They've given their life to Christ. They have surrendered. They have said, I don't want to live this way anymore. And so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death check out this last part here boom the law of moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature so god so god everybody say with me so god did what the law could not do he sent his own son that's jesus in a body like the bodies that we sinners have and in that body god declared an end to sins control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins and so we don't have to be powerless anymore because he's got all the power Man, he, Paul talked about, he's got so, there so much. We, Paul talked about to the Corinthian church. He said, yeah, I tried this thing so hard and I kept out this thorn in the flesh, this thing that wouldn't leave me alone. And, and in chapter 12, he says, three different times, I beg God, please take this away from me. And every time, every time I complained about how bad my life was, every time I complained about this thorn in my flesh, all God said to me was, my grace is all you need. Your spouse ever told you that? When you're having a bad day, but I love you. I know, but I don't care. (laughs) God, take this away from me. My grace is all you need. (laughs) And then he went on and said, and check this out. My power works best in weakness. Paul said, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles and I suffer for Christ for when I am weak that's when I'm strong. See, check this out. When when we admit that we are powerless, when we admit we are powerless, we put ourselves in position to receive all the power that we'll ever need. Cuz now we're ready. Sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing at all. Surrender the things that you can't control. That word surrender is a powerful word. It's a powerful word. Here, guys, I'm coming after you right now. I'm sorry. But ladies, you need to know this about a bunch of your husbands. A bunch of your husbands last weekend when it was just dudes in the room, they're singing at the top of their lungs and they got their hands lifted and they're pumping their fists and they're getting after it. And I don't know what happened. The only thing I can figure is they're embarrassed to do it in front of you. Guys, I told you last weekend I was going to call you out if our worship went sissy again. We used another word. I'm not going to use it now. because. Come on. Come on. See, living isn't about being weighed down by things we can't control. Consciously accepting that there are things that are out of control and surrendering to something greater is critical. So here's what we got to do. We got to focus on the things that we can do and surrender and give up and let God have the rest of it and see what he can do. So we're not trying to recover today. We're just starting the journey. It's a road to recovery. It's not a quick fix to recovery. It's not a one step to recovery. It's a road to recovery. It's not a sprint to recovery. It's a marathon to recovery. And we're all in need of recovery. Jesus said this, he said I'm the vine you're the branches those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit but get cut off from the vine apart from me you can do nothing yesterday afternoon Kim and I went on a date to see the movie The Blind if you haven't been you gotta go you got to go. I can tell you this. There's some things I've told you today that I was 100% confident. I'm 100% confident every one of us in this room is in need of recovery and I'm 100% confident every dude in this room needs to see the blind. I made some contacts yesterday. I'm trying really hard to get it here to where we can show it here on campus. But don't wait for that because I don't know if it's going to happen or not. And if we, if you go see it and you pay the money and then we do get it here, you just come back again and bring some friends with you. All right? You need to see it. it has nothing to do with hunting ducks or making duck calls. It has everything to do with a, with a guy that was forced at a very early age as the oldest child in the family to have to try to take care of his mentally struggling mom because his dad was out of town working and to take care of his brother and two sisters and to provide for them and everything to do with a young man who tried to do the best he could do playing football and became an all-state quarterback and got a college scholarship and played ahead of this dude named terry bradshaw as the starting quarterback on his college team had everything to do with a guy that did like to fish and hunt and go out on the water, but wanted to provide for his family and slowly but surely get kept getting sucked down a bad path until he lost it all. He lost everything. He's in the middle of a Louisiana swamp and a trailer that's too bad to even be condemned, it's so bad and he looks in the water and he sees his image and later would tell his wife I've seen the face of Satan he's got me and at that point Phil Robertson admitted that he was powerless and things started to change and he got his family back and he got his house back and oh yeah his kid got a a kazoo like thing at a Christmas party at a church. And Phil realized he could take that apart and make duck calls that would be the best on the market. That's how it started. And the most amazing thing was he surrendered his life to Jesus. And then he took his friend, i to he took a friend and led his friend to Jesus. I won't spoil everything. <laughs> But the rest of it is history. You know the Robertson family. You know Duck Dynasty. You, you know his sons and his daughters and his granddaughters. And they're all preaching Jesus. They're all speaking Jesus. They're all speaking Jesus everywhere they can speak Jesus because they saw what it did to their husband and to their dad and to their granddad. And they saw the change and they knew that 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 man was a mess. That man was a mess. He might be able to win a fight and he might be able to outrace a car on his bare feet. But that man was a mess until he realized he was powerless and surrendered control. I don't know, how about it? Anybody in here feeling powerless right now? We're going to celebrate to finish the service, and here's what we're going to do. It's time to make a move. For some of you, the move, you've already accepted Jesus as your Savior. You know that you're powerless. You're letting Jesus have—you're doing the best you can to let Jesus have the power in your life, and you just do need to be reminded about that, and we do that every week during communion. And as soon as the music starts in just a moment, wait till the music starts, but come up here and get the cups, and just take the cups back to your seat. Don't take them yet. We'll do that together in a minute, but come and get your emblems. If you haven't already given your tithes and offerings, give, give the tithes and offerings. I'm just going to be real with you for a minute. We've got to do a little bit better than that because we've gotten slack here lately. And for us to do what God's calling us to do as a church, it takes $37,000 a week. All right? And, and that's, to, that's to keep the people in these countries hearing about Jesus. That's to keep our kids hearing about Jesus. That's to do what we've been doing every week and see, that's to, so we've got to give. So if you haven't done that, give. But maybe some of you guys just, and, and probably men, some of you men just need to hit your knees. Quit trying to be so tough. And, and we've created... I've never heard a preacher do this. I took some chairs out of the worship center the other day to make more room over there at the foot of the cross. To give you more place for people to kneel and surrender. We, we moved stuff from around the side of the stage so you could come and kneel at the stage. And some of you, when you move in just a moment, you need to get your communion, but you just need to stop and kneel. You can do it at your chair, but there's just something about coming to a place and kneeling and saying, God, I can't do this anymore. And then some of you just need to go and see the people that are going to be standing right at the steps of the baptistry. Oh, and by the way, we are going to celebrate that. (laughs) And, And we celebrated it twice in the first service, and we're going to celebrate some more here. And so I don't know. Let's, let's see what God. And if you think I need that today in my life. I need to do what this little girl's getting ready to do. I need to quit trying to be so tough. And I need to surrender. There's going to be some people. I'm standing right there in front of those steps. And you need to talk to them about that. And they'll help you figure that out. And we'll get that done right away. Okay? Right now. Just get ready to move. God, thank you so much removing Jesus out of heaven to earth to come and to be the forgiveness of our sins so that when we realize that we were powerless that there was an answer that there was hope and we thank you for examples that we see of people doing that in their life and so God we just want to pray that right now if there's someone that just needs to surrender just needs to surrender just needs to say I'm powerless that you give them the courage to do that today and we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus amen let's all stand and let's move let's go
2: It's hard to see because it scares me just to think of what it means. I want to know your Jesus and your suffering take me deeper. And when I see my Savior. how I want to know the fullness of my God take me deep I know this life I live is not my own. Any eternity with you will be my own, but until that day I bow before your throne, but take me deeper. Yes, I know this life I live is not my own, and eternity with you will be my home.
3: for just a moment you know we talked about those things where we get labeled and we got to wear the label no we don't because this little cup has got a piece of bread that represents his body and in his word he said by my stripes are you healed by my marks are you set free you don't have to wear no label and so right now as we commune together, we are reminded and we don't need no label. Our label is His stripes given for us. Let's take together. And all oh, the blood. The blood that He sacrificially shared that no one took from him but that he he gave up he surrendered he poured it out and by his blood we're made new we're made white as snow and we need to remember that when we're feeling powerless let's partake together It's one of the greatest celebrations that you can ever be a part of, is the Lord's Supper. And this is the other one. Let's get ready to raise the roof.
0: Good morning. This is Myla and her mom, Stephanie, and they have been attending Shelby Christian for about a year. It was been about a year ago that Stephanie was baptized here and uh, we are just so proud of them and how God is working in their family. Um, I get the privilege of coming with Myla every day at school, so I get to see her light and how it shines through her. Um, she has been thinking about this decision for a while, and so today she's ready to give her heart to the Lord. So Myla, if you will back to me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is Christ. The Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. To be my personal Lord and Savior. To be my personal Lord and Savior. Okay, because of your confession, your mom is going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit.
3: forgets your applause. Make sure that when the devil comes to get her, she can still hear you clapping in the back of her ears, but she does never forget. And now there's a world of other people out there that need to hear that. So let's go love God, love people, watch him change the world. We'll see you guys.